How's everyone doing? Good. Um, is there a Tyler here? Is there a Tyler here? No? I, know a t- I think there's a Tyler that goes to our church, but he's not here. He's on a hunting trip. He's on a hunting trip. You guys want to hear a prophetic word for Tyler, even though he's not here? He's on a hunting trip. Isn't it so good that somebody knew where Tyler was? I'm just kidding. I'm going to share with Tyler. I know you wanted to hear it, but. Okay. Well, I'm going to shorten the message because, um, you know, the Lord wanted to have us spend some time in ministry this morning. And. You know, my heart really as a church is that we would minister to each other, you know, each week, that um, in addition to knowledge transfer, that you would encounter the presence of God. Um, Because really one moment in God's presence can change everything in your life. How many of you remember moments that you've had with God? And you remember these moments because they're transformational. Like when you encounter God in in whatever way it might be, sometimes it's through his word or a worship song or through a friend or um, through your mom (laughs) Um, or your praying grandmother or your dad or whatever. It's when you encounter God, it's transformational, right? Because in his presence, there is truth and revelation and joy and peace. Amen. This morning, I want to share with you briefly. Again, I'll only get through probably the first point or so, but it's really in theme with, I was singing the songs, Keaton. I I don't know, like every song was like the sermon. So, um, but really it's that we have been born under a curse. Everyone say boo. Boo. But the curse has been reversed. Everybody say, yay. Yay. (laughs) Uh, Opa. Did somebody somebody Greek? I just heard Opa. Maybe that was in my head. But welcome from Greece if you are here. Opa. That's all I know how to say. Um, But we are born under a curse, but the curse has been reversed. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 My first point this morning is that mankind was given a choice. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. See, you can be alive without God, but you will not become a living being until God breathes into you. God formed man and breathed. When God breathed, where did he breathe from? Himself. 
So the breath in humanity that transformed them from this lifeless Lego piece, the thing that transformed them was God's When God ignites a spirit at salvation, you might have been alive before, but you become a living being. As we talked about last week, each one of us has been intelligently and uniquely designed for a purpose. My hope is that as a church, we would all walk in our unique and divine purpose. And our unique and divine purpose, it's summed up best in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. This is not in your notes. Jesus said, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. And you're like, whoa, I'm just a school teacher, Joel. I'm just a barista. I'm just a businesswoman. I'm just a farmer's husband, Joel. And God says, that's fine. While you're doing that, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. But I don't know how. Perfect. That means you rely on the Holy Spirit to do so. Last week I talked a little bit from Genesis, and so I'm continuing there. But our series is really looking at Jesus foreshadowed in the Old Testament, but fulfilled in the New Testament. And so we're still in the Garden of Eden. What was mankind made for in the Garden of Eden? I'll let you think about that. I'm just going to get my water there behind Jonathan. Somebody can hand me that. Thank you. So what was mankind made for? Thank you, sir. What was mankind made for in the garden? I'll give you the answer. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So mankind is is put in the garden to care for it, to take care of it. What did they do in a garden that had no weeds? What did they do in a garden that had no thorns, no rocky soil? The soil in the Garden of Eden was perfect. It was free of weeds, perfectly fertilized. The soil's completely balanced. What were they called to do? Plant seeds, extend and care for. Now in front of me, I have a a, a picture of two different plants. Okay? 
And these plants represent a plant that I took care of and a plant that Sonia took care of. Now, I know what you're thinking. The one I took care of is probably bright and big and beautiful. And the one that Sonia took care of, probably not, right? No. Now, this represents, this is not, okay, this represents. So I have two plants here. Now, I'm going I'm to ask you which one you think I took care of. Okay. It's the first one. That's the second one. That's Sonia's, right? Yes, yes. Yes, this is something that Sonia would have taken care of, and this is something I would have taken care of. It's still alive. We will be auctioning these off at the end of the service. They do not reflect where your spiritual life is at. But Adam and Eve were called to tend the garden. They were called to work the garden. This is very interesting because we see this picture in John 15 where um, God is ultimately the master gardener. And Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. And he goes on to describe that the, the gardener will prune and cut off because the master gardener wants us to be full and healthy constantly and consistently. And when God gave this call to Adam and Eve to tend a garden, to care for it, they were responsible for extending that garden, for planting in it, for watching over the flowers or praying over it. But the garden had no brokenness. And then God gives them a choice. Have you ever thought about why did God give them a choice in the Garden of Eden? Why was there another tree? Who planted this tree? Where did it come from? Is God the source of evil? Have you ever thought about that? Where did the tree come from? We don't know. What we do know is that God gives us choices. And God gave Adam a choice in the garden. Why? Because choices give power to obedience. Choices give power to decisions. Out of billions of people on the planet, I chose Sonia. And Sonia chose me. The reason that's so powerful is because of choice. Every day we are presented with choices. And these choices will lead to a life that is full and blooming or a life that could use some help and refreshing. And the choices we make will lead to our lives looking like this or our lives looking like this. When Adam sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned and we had the fall of man, unfortunately, we were now under the curse of Adam. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. And so sin leads to death. Sin leads to dying. Mistakes in our life never make us feel good, right? I always think if you want to know the effects of sin, just go sin. (laughs) I don't know if this is good for me. Well, you'll find out. (laughs) Find out what lying does in your life. I'm not obviously telling you to go lie. But I'm telling you, it's easy to see the effects of sin. Man, that's a good... Is that Joel Osteen? I love hearing my own little mouse voice on... um, How many of you like the sound of your own voice? I know, me too. Thank you so much, Claudia, for the encouragement. So as I was talking about lying, (laughs) just kidding. Um, Each day, each day, if you're visiting for the first time, thank you so much for visiting. We have a special welcome bag for you in the back that should erase most of the stuff that you might not be happy with from me. So you're welcome. They made the bag so that you feel more comfortable leaving. And maybe it erases a little bit of the awkwardness that the pastor had that morning. Each day our life is filled with choices and these choices are like seeds. And these seeds will lead to growth in our life. The choices we make will develop plants, trees, in our life that lead to fruit. Actually, Dr. Caroline Leaf says that our thoughts construct tree-like structures in our brain. And there's a process called neuroplasticity where you can rewire neural pathways to think differently. And these neural pathways, if you took a picture of them, are like a tree. So quite literally, your thoughts actually plant seeds in your mind that grow into trees. And they're now discovered through, um, I forget what it's called, but psychologists now perform it, where they will actually like rewire and reconnect your thoughts and your neural pathways. They'll put blocks in, and so you'll actually be, you can actually be healed from trauma that way. But our thoughts build trees. And we have choices what thoughts we put into our minds. If we spend an hour in the Word of God, filling our mind with truth, we can actually change the trees that exist in our head. of your thoughts are negative each day. 
85% of your thoughts you actually had yesterday. So if 80% of your thoughts are negative and 85 or so percent of your thoughts you had yesterday, you're in a cycle, right? We're negative people. That's an average. If you're a negative person, it's even worse. If you're a positive person, it might be slightly better. But the way to rewire your brain is to fill your mind with God's word. Now, mankind was given partnership. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 to 25, the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of a man, and he brought her to the man. How many men like ribs? Yeah, me too. Like fall off the bone, right? How many of you, your wives, make ribs? You know she's thinking about you the whole time, right? She's got that fire heated up to like 800 degrees. I love it. Ribs are so good. For all you vegetarians, imagine a carrot that looks like a rib cage. It's amazing. It's like a waffle fry made out of carrots. So delicious. You're welcome. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That verse in itself will transform marriages. A man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. We feel like God really wants us to strengthen marriages at Northside. Not just marriages that are struggling, but marriages that are already strong. Because strong marriages equals strong family, equals a strong church, equals a strong community. Some men haven't left their parents yet and become one with their wife. You're created to be one. Not 50% and 50%, 100% and 100%, but one, united. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That's pretty awesome. Adam and Eve were both naked and were not ashamed. Can you imagine living a life where you weren't ever ashamed? Can you imagine living a life free of shame? Little kids run around naked all the time. Just what they do when they're really little. 
They have no shame. And right about the time when they begin to sin, we put clothes on them. And they feel shame. And obviously, people should be clothed. But people shouldn't be ashamed. Vulnerability is the opposite of shame. Intimacy is into me, you see. Intimacy between people removes barriers of shame. It removes barriers of shame within a marriage, and it removes barriers of shame within the church. It removes barriers of shame within a friendship. As you begin to understand and know someone more and more, and you get behind the mask that they put out there, and you develop a deeper and deeper intimacy, shame always decreases. And Adam and Eve, for the first time in their life, when they sin, they're actually ashamed. In Genesis 3, verse 8 to 11, the man and his wife, this is right after they have sinned, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? They hid. This is the first time in their lives that they hid. This is the first time in their lives they realized that they were naked. It's connected to sin. They hid from the Lord. God spoke to me recently, you can't hide from the Lord. There's nothing that you can do to hide from him. I was thinking about this concept where sometimes we want to hide from God, and always he's like, I see you. Like, you ever play hide-and-go-seek with your kids, and like when they're really young, they're like, they're like behind a, you know, a curtain, and they're like this? And you're like, I'm coming for you. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like shaking. That's what it's like to sin before God. He sees the curtain. You can't hide from him. For the first time, they're aware. He said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. He wasn't afraid because he was naked. He was afraid because he sinned, and sin made him feel naked, and he came up with an excuse. Now he's lied, too. <laughs> Slippery slope. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I told you not to eat from? And we know the story. He blames the wife. Typical, typical husbandry right there. It's like, you know, men, men are like, Man, like a friend says to another friend, man, like, you know, you need to get healthier. Like, you could lose like 10 pounds. And the friend's like, <laughs> it's my wife's cooking. <laughs> Combined with no exercise <laughs> or no desire to lose, anyway. I know I'm just talking to myself here this morning. But Jesus, but Jesus. Our eternal destiny is death before Jesus. 
Our eternal destiny is separation from God without Jesus. Why? Because we are born under the curse of sin. And the wages of sin is? And we are born sinful. That means I am born sinful and my desires are sinful and my thoughts are sinful and my actions are sinful. I can't have all of that bypass Jesus and enjoy that. See, these plants are actually the same type. They're both mums. This plant represents our spirit as we meet Jesus. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We come to him looking like this. And through the watering of his word and the fertilization of the spirit, he actually brings us into new life. He reverses the curse of death that is on your life to give you eternal life. Because the God-man was born. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God, in the form of Jesus, came as a human being. And Jesus would be born as a second Adam to reverse the curse of the first Adam. And we receive eternal life through Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. In a moment, we're going to have communion. And I'm, I'm going to pause there and I'll come back to this in a couple weeks. Pastor Jen will be on next week. But I, I want to go through this because I want to talk about once Jesus reverses the curse. He gives us a ministry of reconciliation. And we now become ambassadors to meet people with that ministry, to share Jesus with them, to reverse that curse in their life as well. As we celebrate communion, Pastor Keaton is going to lead us, but I just want to pray for us to posture our hearts to receive this morning. Father, I thank you that you have new life for every person here. And as we come to you and come to the table, I pray that there would be fresh life in the table this morning, God, for all your people. Fresh life, God. Reversal of things, Lord, that are bleak, empty, dark, and dying. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.